We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And it's quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with a really special guest. An excellent tight end, member of a national championship team with the Ohio State Buckeyes, a 10-year NFL veteran, and currently can be heard on Sirius XM, ESPNU, and Big Ten stations. Welcome to the show, Ben Hartsock. Great to have you on. Hey, excited to be here. Excited to be here. I, I, I played in Happy Valley a couple times as a player, but I'll tell you, last year, Jim, I, I called the Indiana-Penn State game, and it was my first opportunity to tour campus. As, as a player, you never get to see anything other than the locker room and the playing field. That's, that's it. But as a broadcaster, I, got to, I went to the creamery. I went and took a picture by the Nittany Lion. Uh, just really, really blown away. I understand now how James Franklin can recruit so effectively there to Happy Valley. All right. Now, first of all, the most important question, what flavor ice cream did you get? Oh, Peachy Paterno. I had to get Peachy Paterno. It's, <laughs> it's, it's on our Big Ten channel uh, on Sirius XM, on our Big Ten channel openers. It's, it, it talks about the traditions across dotting the I and Peachy Paterno, one of the staples in our Big Ten conference. Those are the highlights. Now, I don't mean to age you, Ben, but it's been – 20 years ago that you played at Ohio State, and for our younger fans who may not remember you or appreciate what a good receiver you were, you were so good, you were capable of taking a ball that bounced on the turf and turned it into a completion. (laughs) That was a controversial moment in history for Penn State and Ohio State fans. Uh, yeah, I, I believe that was my senior year. We were defending our national championship, and we had a backup quarterback, Scott McMullen, that had come in the game, and it came down to the wire, and we needed a third-down conversion, and we ran a route that I've caught a million times. And I don't remember who was defending me, but that they came in and punched the ball out from behind as we were falling to the ground in a heap. The ball bounced straight to the ground and right back into my arms immediately. And I get up like you're taught to do and say, yeah, first down, catch, right? And there was no instant replay at the time. Uh, I feel guilty a little bit, but not so much that I'm going to bring it up for review. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so essentially here, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ben, but essentially what you're saying is uh, the Big Ten is filled with officials who are Ohio State homers. Yeah, well, all I don't know what compels a human to choose that line of work. I never have understood the attraction to a job where if you if you perform flawlessly, nothing is said. If you have the the best officiated game in the world is not talked about. But the opposite of that, the worst officiated game, they're trying to set your car on fire outside. Like Those aren't the parameters of best-case scenario, worst-case scenario that I want to operate in. Uh, but officials choose to, to, to get involved in that. I guess if you can't play the game, it's the next best thing to be around it. But it's certainly not something I would choose to do. Well, it reminds me, I recently was speaking to a football coach. He said the difference between playing offensive line and defensive line. Defensive line, you could be bad 99 out of 100 plays, and then the one play you make the sack, you're a hero. Offensive line, you could be great 99 out of 100, but you make that one mistake, that's when they talk about you. And it's the same way with with officiating. But anyway, 
we could go down this line forever, but I got you a Big Ten kind of guy. It's an opportunity to talk to you about so many crazy things going on in college football in general. Let, let's get to the Big Ten specifically. The offseason, the big news, USC and UCLA going to be joining the conference. You and I were talking about this off the air. What a huge step. What, what was your reaction when you first heard the news? Well, it's a huge win for the Big Ten Conference, and it's a huge win for Commissioner Kevin Warren, who, uh, you know, he stumbled out of the gate. He was dealt a hard hand when he took over as commissioner with COVID, canceling the season, had had families of players marching on the Big Ten headquarters his first couple of months in office. So this was a big rebound for him to bring in these marquee. It was it was the counterpunch to Texas Oklahoma uh, joining the SEC, and so. It's a win for the Big Ten Conference in the in the trajectory of college sports uh, that that is we're currently on. But I, to be quite honest with you, Jim, I, I'm I don't like this current trajectory that we're headed. Uh, we we are in an era of consolidation of power, and we are in an era of redistribution of wealth in college sports. And there's two different ways that I think this is going to hurt college football. One. The Big Ten Conference is going to be fine. The SEC Conference is going to be fine. Everybody outside of that is going to hurt mightily in this redistribution of wealth. Whether the, whether the group of five ceases to exist or the, the remaining three conferences in the Power Five are reduced to a version of JV football and college athletics, that is, that's a harmful thing. Like Penn State fans, you're going to be fine. Buckeye fans like me, we're going to be fine in this new world order. But I, there are tons of passionate fan bases across this country, like West Virginia and 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 Texas Tech and Iowa State and Washington State, that aren't going to have a place at this new table because what's happening with the Big Ten with their media rights deal, they're saving it all for themselves, and what's left of these other conferences are going to get pennies on the dollar. And already we live in an environment of college athletics where. Uh, I think there's only 20-some financially viable athletic departments that exist, and we're only going to make it harder for those that struggle financially to to happen. So that's one thing. And then the other aspect of this is we're taking what I consider the crown jewel of human development in our country. I, I, amateur sports, specifically college sports, are our country's crown jewel of youth development, both men and women. And, and we are turning that into a professional enterprise, which fundamentally undercuts the purpose of the enterprise, which is development. Is college sports wildly profitable and a big business? Yes, but it was, it, it, it was insulated from the players. But now that in the world of NIL and now in the, the trajectory we're going towards full-on professional college football, in basketball, you undercut the purpose of development and you turn into a business. And and you, if you you've been around enough guys from Penn State that went to pro, I, I've never met a guy that played pro ball that said they had more fun in the pros than they did in college. The college game is always a sweeter, more uh, more precious memory that young people have. And that's because they were insulated from the cold, hard realities of professional football. But we're turning that into college football. And I, and I just I, I wouldn't support it. I wouldn't vote for it. Is there or was there anything the NCAA could have done to slow this down or even stop it? It seems like the power is based in the conferences. 
So they've got to do what's best for the conference. You Again, off the air, you mentioned this. You either disrupt or get disrupted, correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, where the, it was a public relations misstep, I believe, by the NCAA. We've, we've allowed over the past 20 years, really since the O'Bannon case happened, and, and that was out at UCLA where, where the uh, video game, the, the college football video game players said, well, we should be getting a cut of that. It, either during that era or even previous, had the NCAA started a marketing campaign to say, look at what our college football and basketball players do through their efforts, their blood, sweat, and tears, we get to support the entire NCAA ecosystem, which services 460,000 student-athletes uh, in the NCAA from D1 to D3. That's almost a half a million young people are are benefited by the support of college football with the money that they make. Had they done that 20 years ago, I think we sit, we sit here today as a source of pride saying, look at those young men, those guys. Yeah, they want to all go pro, and we all go hope they have a pot of gold in the pros when they get there, but they're a part of this beautiful system that is uniquely American that gets to support women's athletics and, and Olympic sports and non-revenue sports, and it's a beautiful thing. But they didn't, and like you said, the, the college football or college sports and athletics is such a disjointed uh, enterprise in, in general, it is hard to have any one consensus among anything. Now we've, we live in an era of, of self-worship, and, 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 and the era of self-worship manifests in college football a lot of ways, or in college sports a lot of ways. Guys that opt out of bowl games, it may make sense for them individually, but it's self-serving and not team-serving. It made sense for Texas and Oklahoma to join the SEC, USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten. That served their universities well, but it certainly hurt their conferences that they're leaving. And, and, and Commissioner Sankey and Commissioner Warren, they're not looking out for the interests of college sports in general. They're looking out for the Big Ten, and they're looking out for the SEC. Every step of the way that you look at this current state of college athletics, it is an era of everyone looking out for number one. And, and, and college athletics wasn't about that for the majority of its history. It is now the reality, though, which leads to the question, Ben, what next? I know when... USC and UCLA first made the move, we started hearing rumors, you know, about 20, 30 different schools that were going to be racing to the Southeast Conference or the Big Ten. That talk has slowed down a bit. What do you see happening next for the Big Ten? Well, there will be more teams brought into the Big Ten fold. And when Texas, Oklahoma happened a year ago, the the conversation was we're going to have four super conferences. And that's kind of still a discussion. A year ago, I said, no, we're going to two mega conferences, and that's what it is right now, Big Ten SEC, and I, I believe this sincerely. If Greg Sankey finds an opening to cut the legs out of the Big Ten, it will do that, and if Commissioner Warren finds the same way to undercut the, the SEC, it would absolutely do that. The Big Ten or the SEC would love nothing more than to gobble up and devour the other conference, so what happens next? It's really, there's nothing sacred. We've learned that the concept of traditional conferences and, and regional alliances with what the Big Ten has done has shown there's no sanctity in the regionality of college sports. So, if again, I don't like this, but if I'm leading the Big Ten, I, I try to plant a flag in the South. 
I, before I pick up Oregon, before I go get Washington, I would go somewhere in Florida. The Miami Hurricanes, maybe Florida State. I would try to scoop up and plant a flag of Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten in the co- part of the country where most of the NFL players are coming from. Florida puts more players into the NFL out of high school than any other state, and you try to compete uh, through that lens. What does this look like? I think in five to seven years, the Big Ten has 20 schools, the SEC has 20 schools, and everybody not in the Big Ten or SEC is is relegated to a lesser version of college sports. Maybe they'll give those teams access to the expanded playoff, which will be another domino to fall. Uh, That's the most likely outcome. But a, a more provocative outcome would be there could be a, a true merger like the AFL and the NFL uh, between the SEC and the Big Ten, and, and they form a true professional league uh, that, that feeds into the NFL, and, and what's left for everybody else is, is left for them to figure out themselves because it's not Commissioner Warren or Commissioner Sankey's uh, uh, job title. Unfortunately, Ben, that is it already. Thanks so much for being on. Folks, if you want to follow uh, Ben on Twitter, it's at Ben Hartsock. He's also got a great YouTube channel. Wonderful videos. Be sure to check those out. Ben, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again real soon. Yep, look forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Jim. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special.